Welcome to the Choose Life Radio Network. Your host is Jill Taylor. Every week we bring you a candid conversation with someone who's making a difference for the cause of life. And now here's Jill to introduce today's guest on Choose Life Radio. I don't know if you believe in divine intervention, but we have someone today who's going to make a believer out of you. Welcome to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, and I am excited to introduce you to Kathy Alves Davis, who has written a book called Miracles, and it's uh, spelled M-Y-R-C-L-E-S, unique spelling for a very unique story that you're going to hear today. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much, Jill. I'm so glad to be here with you today, and I've been sitting here thinking about your call. What a blessing you are to me, too, to call me and talk to me about my book, Miracles, the book that God told me to write. It's a joy, and I think you've got so much in that book. I know that I, I can just start by just uh, letting everybody know how much I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Talk to me about the gift of faith. That's one of the things that you begin with, where the miracles started to happen. Well, my book is actually divided into three sections. It's the gift of faith, the gift of adversity, and the gift of hope and inspiration. And faith is really a gift. I mean, all we have to do is reach out and believe and step out and believe. You know, we become believers as young children or in our older life. And miracles actually makes people believe in God and give people faith. And that's, I think, why another reason why God wanted me to write this book and wanted me to entitle it Miracles, because people can then see what God can really do for somebody who really believes. But faith is just stepping out in faith and believing and taking God's hand and knowing He's there and that He's going to help you through whatever you're going through. And I think some people who are wondering how to have a relationship with Christ It's the matter of simply reading what he's done. Yes. Listening to the words and how he responded to the people who were unkind. And then you're right. It's just believing. Believing. That's a real story. That was a very real person on earth. And it continues to be a real God in our hearts. It's part of of the Trinity. Absolutely. Like the gift of adversity. You know, adversity is a gift as well because... Through our adversities, we have a closer walk with God. Who are we going to turn to when our world comes crashing down around us? Who do we have to turn to? Our husbands can't help us. Our children can't. Friends, it's only God who can intervene and save us on whatever we're going through. And that's a wonderful thing. So adversity does bring us closer to our Maker. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about what you went through. And, and your, your husband seems to be an amazing man. Oh, that's so sweet. My book is really a memoir. It starts in my hometown. The picture on the front of the book is a beach that I grew up on. And I grew up on the South Shore of Massachusetts, three houses up from the beach. And that book cover was taken by a friend of mine at the picture. And I love it. And then I had it enhanced because like God reaching out to me. When I was a young child, I was an asthmatic, and there was no magic bullet in the 50s. Uh, There was no rescue inhaler, no asthma. Children just suffered, choked, strangled, coughed, and many of them, their hearts gave out. And that still happens to this very day. And so when everything was out of my mother's hands, the hospital was a half hour away, and there was nothing more she could do to help me. 
she knew that I was a very, very true believer in Christ. I had accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And she would just, she would kind of try to comfort me, and then she was at her wit's end. How would I get through another asthma attack? And she would just try to stroke my body and let me know that I should go to Christ. And out of a state of exhaustion, I would fall off to sleep. And there, as my mother had predicted, Jesus would be standing there in his beautiful blue robe with his arms outstretched to heal me one more time. And that went through my life, and I depended on Christ and God throughout my whole life. There's many stories in the book of many other things that came to me that I had to rely on my faith and my belief in God and Christ. But then in my 40s, I came up against a huge mountain. Unbeknownst to me, I had a cancer. It was the size of a navel orange. It was hidden in my chest wall. My mammograms were all normal. Wow. And... But actually, I felt something different in the breast. I went and got it checked out. They thought it was still fine. They thought it was a cyst. But it turned out to be a life-or-death breast cancer, stage 3 aggressive. And I went to doctors up and down the East Coast, and no one gave me hope to live. They all gave me the same doom and gloom and told me that I should get my affairs in order. But God had something else planned for me. He had a purpose for me to do that I didn't know about all those years ago. And so on the darkest day of my life, when I was on the CAT scan table to see how far-reaching this cancer really was, God spoke to me like he had done when I was a young child. And he allowed me to know that I was going to be fine and that one day I would go on to write a book of hope and inspiration that would help countless others. And so I did. And so you did. And the book, again, is called Miracles, and it's spelled M-Y-R-C-L-E-S. Tell me why you spelled it that way. I wanted to name my book Divine Intervention, because that's exactly what I had with a divine intervention many times throughout my life, but especially in 1998 when I came up against this mountain in my life. And so when the breast cancer license plates came out in Virginia in 2001, my husband and I were posed right before the computer waiting for it to get in there, and we wanted to have miracles on my license plate, you know, kind of food for thought for every passerby Uh with the pink ribbon beside it, but it didn't allow for that many characters. So my husband said, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to rethink it. So My husband said, you're just not going to be able to do miracles. And then finally, all of a sudden, he thought of (laughs) M-Y-R-C-L-E-S. And I went, perfect, that's it. And that license plate has been caused for many people to give me a thumbs up on the highway, to follow me to my car and say, what, did you have a miracle with breast cancer? And I've been able to give my testimony to them. So when it came time to name my book, I wanted it to be named Divine Intervention. And my husband looked it up, and he said, you're going to have a very crowded field. There's so many books called Divine Intervention. There are conventions. There's symposiums that are called Divine Intervention. You're going to be lost in a sea of Divine Intervention. (laughs) And I said, well, I don't know what I'm going to do then. And he and my son both had the idea that, hey, you've been riding on that all these years, and it's miracles, M-Y-R. C-L-E-S, and that should be the name of your book. Oh, that's, so that's, how, it that's how it happened. That's a great story. Yes, it is. 
So the gift of faith and and the miracles that began to happen as a result of you going into the doctors and finding out that you had cancer. Give us a feeling for how you how you handled that with your family. How did your husband support you? He was extremely supportive. He was there all the way. But you know, my husband and I, we were high school sweethearts, college sweethearts, and We knew each other well. My husband was in the Marine Corps. He was a lieutenant when we married, and we traveled the world together. So we had a very strong foundation, and he's always been a very supportive man. I knew he was going to be that person, and he was. He took care of me. He was there for me, Um, you know, cleaning out my port that I had so that they could put the chemotherapy in me. He was just, he was excellent with it all. He was there for me all the way. Yes, he was. Tell me about the doctors and how they dealt with this. So I got diagnosed here in Virginia, and they told me that I was going to lose my breast and that I had to come in immediately and have a mastectomy. And again, it was life or death, and they didn't give me any hope. But at that time, for that very short window in time, my brother-in-law, who is in the medical pharmaceutical business, he was the CEO of a cancer research company in Boston. For only a few years, and it just so happened it was a few years that I would need him. So when I got that call from my doctor here in Virginia, when they all thought that there was, this was nothing but a cyst, but pathology determined it was a life-threatening cancer, I called my sister, and she said, I'm calling my husband right now. He was actually at a convention in Arizona, and he said, I'm going to take the next plane out. I will have Kath in with the best breast cancer team in Boston by Monday. And so he came home that day, Thursday night, Friday, he made the calls. Sure enough, I was with the best breast cancer team in Boston on Monday. We flew up there. I went through everything. They told me that I wasn't going to live again. But they said, you know, since the cancer of the CAT scan proved that the cancer had not spread, that didn't, it still, there wasn't any hope at that time for stage three, aggressive, but at least it had not spread. They asked me if I knew where Georgetown was. And, you know, of course, I have the Bostonian accent, as you can tell. (laughs) And they asked me if I knew where Georgetown was. I said, well, actually, I live in Virginia. And I said, yes, it's 45 minutes from my front door. And out of the whole country, it was the only place in the country that had a stage 3 aggressive breast cancer protocol 45 minutes from my front door. Wow. (laughs) Oh, Kathy, that in itself is a divine intervention right there. We're talking with Kathy Alves Davis, and she has the ability to not just tell us about a book, but about her life. We are going to come right back after a short break, so stay with us at Choose Life Radio. Choose Life Radio believes that life is a sacred gift from God and should be treated as such, from conception to natural death. Our purpose is to share in-depth conversations with persons who have a direct connection to the life issue. These conversations encourage, inspire, and shine the light of God's amazing grace on a lost and hurting world. Your gift today, whatever the size, will help us continue to expand the reach of these life-affirming conversations. You can give generously online by visiting chooseliferadio.com. Just click the donate button at the top of the page Or you can mail your gift to Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio 44735. 
That's Choose Life Radio, Post Office Box 36622, Canton, Ohio 44735. That address is also posted at ChooseLifeRadio.com. Your gift helps keep this life-affirming message on the radio. Now let's get back to the conversation. Welcome back to Choose Life Radio. I'm Jill Taylor, your host. If you just got on our radio program, I would recommend highly that you come to the website and catch the beginning of this. You need to know what our guest, Kathy Alves Davis, experienced with a very unpredictable, very dangerous case of breast cancer. And as we're facing Breast Cancer Month, we wanted to share this message particularly with you. So grab that beginning part by going to our website, chooseliferadio.com. And right now, I thank you, Kathy, for telling your story and diving in here with us. I know that it's worthy of the book that you've written called Miracles, but it's also very personal. And I'm grateful that you're sharing with us what you went through and the despondency that comes with that, as well as the joy. Well, you know, Jill, I want to thank you for mentioning Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's so important. So many women out there are looking for hope and inspiration. And so it seems like the country, the world, has has grabbed onto that to October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And people are really in tune with thinking about women who have breast cancer. And, you know, one out of every eight women in their lifetime will develop breast cancer. So that's a huge portion of the population here and in the world, internationally. So people need hope. And that is exactly why God told me to write my book. He told me to write it to give hope and inspiration to the hopeless, to people who thought they had no more time here, that they wouldn't make it, that science said, you won't make it. But like me, science said 23 years ago, I would not live. And here I am, giving my testimony today here on your show. Yes, absolutely. And women who are dealing with it are able to listen to this and gain great hope. I'm so glad you're sharing this with us. You know, you had some opportunities that appeared because of your very public fight with this disease. You even had an invitation to the White House. Tell us a little bit about that. It was an amazing time. There were miraculous things happening, (laughs) as you read in my book. The book is filled with lots of miracles, lots of divine interventions. And it was an amazing time in my life. So many miraculous things came about. And it was one day I was going to the mailbox, and I had had, I, I should back up a little bit, I had had a complete clinical response to the stage three aggressive breast cancer protocol And I was the talk of the hospital. I was number nine in the protocol. And I made medical history at Georgetown in 1998. So I was the talk of the hospital. So I don't know how it happened. I don't know why, but I received an invitation. And I looked at it in the mail. And I was coming back up my driveway and going through the mail, as we all do. And there was a white envelope. And on the left-hand side, it said simply, the White House. And I thought, the White House? And I opened it up, and it was an invitation from, at that time, Mrs. Clinton, who was the First Lady, and she had invited me to come to the White House for an unveiling of the breast cancer stamp. You know, that breast cancer stamp 
all women should buy it. It's so important. I mean, it is a, is a stamp that is solely for to give money to save women's lives with breast cancer. It goes to science and research to finding new cures, new ways to treat breast cancer. Hopefully a cure will come out of it one day. But anyway, she invited me to come. I don't know how she got my name. And then I was to call to say that I accepted the invitation. And when I called, the secretary started talking to me. I told her a little bit about my story. And lo and behold, they called me back and said, would you like to be the main speaker? And all the networks will be there. And then I thought, well, this must be it, Lord. I haven't written my book yet, but this must be the prelude to that. But then there was a girl, a woman, who had fought very hard with Congress to get this stamp through. And they spoke with Mrs. Clinton, and she felt that she should be the one to give the opening address. And I so agreed, too. And I had the chance to meet her as well. So, yes, I was there that day for the unveiling of the breast cancer stamp. Well, I am very grateful for that story because I think that many women who don't even realize that that stamp exists get a chance today to say, check that out and see if you can't begin to use that and help bring the awareness to women and men. And it is a beautiful stamp, Jill. It's beautiful. And it makes your envelope or whatever, or a card, it makes it even more colorful. And you want to zero in on it. And then you realize it's for breast cancer. Well, continue with your story. When you're in the hospital, you've had some operation at this point, removal. Give us a feeling of where you're going on your journey here. Well, I went to Georgetown after they, Boston had sent me there. And when I went there, I received the same doom and gloom. You're not going to make it. Get your affairs in order. But then the head person of the protocol She was touted as a genius. She was actually in the room. Georgetown is a teaching hospital. And she was against the wall with the 30 other doctors. And the head doctor said, well, you know, I'm not doing the protocol. I'm just here to give you your statistics, which were bad. And he said, but Dr. Vera Stearns is the head of the protocol. And she stepped forward. She took my hand, and I looked into her brown eyes, and I knew God had sent me there to be with her. He had sent me there so that she could use me as a guinea pig to find other ways to treat aggressive breast cancer, to take care of women who were suffering with this and who they kept telling everyone, yeah, you don't really have much time to live. But within 24 hours' time after I received the first chemotherapy, my tissue sample started changing. And within 48 hours, I had so many less cancer cells. And then it wasn't but a few weeks later when I went in to be examined. That night, I had felt my breast, and it was like, where is that mass, that huge mass? I laid there praying and believing and talking to God, and I said, Lord, please just help Vera to say these words. I am truly impressed. Now, I don't know why those words came to me, but they did. I went to Vera the next day. You could see she was amazed, and she kept prodding. And she was, Kathy, I don't know what to say. I'm just truly impressed. This has gone down by 50%. And that was the overall objective to the protocol was 50% reduction. And within a matter of weeks, I was already down by 50%. (laughs) <laughs> that that's stymieing. I mean, it, it's every person's dream when they're in the hospital that something like yes. that will take place and give you such excitement and courage to move forward with it. Yes. And your doctors, tell me a little bit about what they said is the protocol then now. 
they were really shocked and surprised, but of course delighted. And then when I went to have my surgery, my doctor said, now, you're going to have to realize that when you come in, we're going to do an exploratory. We're going to see how far-reaching this mass is. And it was three months after adjuvant chemotherapy, which is treatment before you have surgery, so that they can still operate because a mass that large would, you know, your chest wall would become cavernous. So I said, yes, I understand it. I had to sign And you understand in a week's time, you'll have to have a mastectomy. I said, well, I won't have to have a mastectomy. I've had a miracle. And they said, well, that's great, but that's highly unlikely, but we'll see. And so they went in and they took out the tumor base itself, and there was nothing left. I never did have to have a mastectomy, and I made medical history at Georgetown, and I had the complete clinical response that they said I was going to have. But in my words... And my belief, I had a complete miracle. You had some issues that you dealt with after this point. Share with us what it is that you go through when you're dealing with such a difficult experience as a family and how you navigate that with all your loved ones, your kids, your husband. It's a very challenging time. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I was an executive. I had a very big job. And boom, all of a sudden, my job was gone the next day. I was going to be going through a year and a half's worth of treatment, and my life was at stake. There's many things that will come upon you, and they're nothing to do with the cancer, but they're a result of the cancer. And it's how you handle all those things that speaks volumes, you know, and I just got closer and closer to God, and I just kept taking His hand and believing People will say to me to this day, I don't know how you did it, but my answer is always, I wouldn't have had a story to tell. Who would be interested? I had aggressive breast cancer, then I had a miracle, and it was lovely. That's that's good for a little bit, but there's got to be a story around it. And my faith and holding on tight to what God could do for me and what he can do for others, that's what cured me. And I just held tight to it, and I knew that no matter what I came up against, even bankruptcy, losing my car, so many things came up against us, but I stayed in faith. And I knew one day that was going to be a very important part of the book because most cancer patients face these types of odds and face these types of adversities. So how many people would that help to say, hey, this woman went through all this, And then she went on to give her testimony in this powerful book that's helping thousands of people out there. So that's the essence of it. Kathy, one of the things that really blessed me was the love your husband showed you through it all and the way he buoyed you during the times that it was just a real struggle for you. And he would always say, we're just going to deal with today. And that's really pretty powerful for a man to be that sensitive and also know that he's trying to keep his job going and coming in and taking care of the kids who were going to college, if I'm not wrong. Yes, you you had a lot going on there. Yes. Early on in the book, you will read that I met a woman. She wanted to come over. She knew I was going through this terrible time. Could she come over and speak to me? So she did. And it's always great when another woman helps another woman out with breast cancer. That's why I think it's so important. So she came over and she said, you're going to go on this journey. 
and she said, I'd like to show you my breast. Would you like to see it? She was giving up of herself to show me what had happened. She had had reconstruction. It looked perfect. And she said, here I am five years later, and I'm doing fine, and you'll be the same. And she said, but I want to give you these four words, Kathy. They're so important. And the four words are called, stay in the day. And I said, stay in the day. She said, now, these are the four words you need to get through this. You need this to get through this journey. Stay in the day. Don't go up ahead. Don't go up. The doctor's going to tell you you've got years of treatment. Stay in the day. So I thanked her so much. And then I told my husband. I said, she told me to stay in the day. And he said, that is exactly what we're going to do. We're not going to go up ahead. We're not going to worry about tomorrow. We're going to stay in the day. We're going to do our best in that day. We're going to keep on believing. We're going to keep on being prayerful. And we're going to know that God's here in this day, and we're fine. We're fine in this day, and we're going to stay in the day. One of the verses that you quote in your book is Matthew six twenty-five through 26. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Today we've had a wonderful time listening to a very poignant story with Kathy Alves Davis, and she shares with us her battle with breast cancer and her book that she's written, Miracles. I'm thankful for the story and grateful for her testimony to God. So as we close our time together for today, I want to thank you for being my friend listening today. I'm Jill Taylor. We'll be back next week at Choose Life Radio. The preceding program was sponsored by the Choose Life Radio Network of Canton, Ohio.